0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first holiday episode of 2023 for the Best Pictures podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and on this, again, holiday-themed episode, we are tackling The Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: So, Nightmare Before Christmas is a 1993 stop-motion animated musical, dark fantasy
0: I love the way that that is described.
1: (laughs) but it's Like it's dark, Uh,
0: but it's not that dark, but it's just dark enough that you need to put it in there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a little dark. Um, It's whimsically dark, but a little dark. Uh, But yes, you can thank Wikipedia for all those adjectives. (laughs) Um, It was produced and conceived by Tim Burton, but not directed by him, which I did not realize.
0: Yeah, I feel like that would be potentially tension inducing because i i get the impression that tim burton has a very clear shall we say vision for how things should go but i don't know
1: it's his style but it was directed by henry selick in his feature directorial debut but selick also did james and the giant peach and Coraline. So like oh. he also tends towards like a similar kind of style that way. So I think that pairing actually makes a lot of sense.
0: Ah, uh, okay. That actually makes a whole, whole, whole lot of sense now. I really love James and the Giant Peach as well. So like the stop motion connection, I'm I'm all in.
1: Yeah. Well and like I said, like Burton definitely originated the idea. And at the time he was actually very busy. Uh, directing Batman Returns, which is why he was not as involved with this production like as it was happening. Selleck also worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is actually going to come up a little bit weirdly enough uh, <laughs> in more of this background, which is why I threw that in there. Uh, so Danny Elfman wrote the songs in the score, all fantastic. <laughs>
0: And also saying the part of Jack Skellington, that part, I didn't. Yeah. There there were two things that I did not realize about this movie. One, that Catherine O'Hara was in it and that I didn't realize she was like a staple of many of my childhood films without me knowing. And then two, that Danny Elfman sings.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, he was originally like in a band.
0: Oh, well. Yeah wow, I guess I just live under a rock. It's fine.
1: Well, no, but I mean, I'm with you where, like, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about this film until later because, like, I did meet this film as a child. Like, it was a staple of my childhood. Um, But, yeah, so he's the voice of Jack. And then, actually, when they were doing voice casting, uh, Chris Sarandon was cast as, like, Jack's non-singing voice. And they cast him to kind of match Elfman's vocal style so that... The singing voice and the speaking voice for Jack do sound like one. They do mm-hmm. blend together. Yeah, that's uh, which cool. I think was really cool. Um, yeah. And then of course, Catherine O'Hara is in it. Um, you have like Kim Page, William Hickey, uh, lots of lot of good voice actors. Um, and then this, of course, tells the story of Jack the Pumpkin King of Halloween Town and him overtaking Christmas Town and what it looks like when Characters, creatures, whatever you will, that are solely focused on the spooky things happen to take over a very jolly holiday.
0: That's such a concise way to explain it. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, I don't know if that makes it sound more or less weird than it actually is.
0: Well, I would honestly be surprised if people listening to this weren't at least passingly familiar with what one could argue is a massive cultural touchstone. So Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I always um, try and,
1: if I remember, throw out a little, like a teeny tiny synopsis just in case, like someone doesn't know or someone's forgotten. Um, but yeah, this one I think is, is pretty, a pretty common cultural touchstone, which is interesting because getting it done took a little bit. So... Burton had originally written this like three page poem while he was working at Disney doing animation um, and had the intention of along the lines of like how the Grinch stole Christmas and the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer stop motion special, which uh, spoiler is going to be our next little holiday special this year. Um, But kind of along those lines and had the idea of like this would be similar to that with like having somebody like read the poem over top of it and like it would be like a little short uh but had trouble like getting it off the ground uh it was pretty much deemed too weird at it's the time it's
0: tim burton like he's do you, so but he
1: wasn't tim burton yet
0: well but he still like so maggie and i several years back actually pre covid i think uh were lucky enough to catch like a tim burton special art exhibit installation thing at the neon museum in Vegas. And, all of his early stuff was just as weird, if not weirder. Yeah, it was great. So it's
1: it was great. I think we, we both bought like ooh, magnets and stuff. It, it was, was really cool.
0: Wonderful. Um, great exhibit. Also, when I was saying that, I realized I think what you meant, and I didn't interpret it this way, is that he didn't have the sway that he had, but his art was fully formed. I totally, sorry, I missed No, no, I, no you're I, good. I did you're not good. land with me. I'm so sorry. That's
1: a good clarification. <laughs> no, that's
0: a good clarification. He He
1: didn't, yeah, he didn't have the pull yet. Um, So he left Disney and I think 84 was what I saw. And then he has like these really massive live action hits with like Beetlejuice and Batman and Edward Scissorhands and like develops this like cultural cachet and is able to go back to Disney later and be like, let's let's make a development deal over like this thing that like, um, I think they still had the rights for it. He had been trying to like get off the ground though. They did originally release it, not under the like Disney, you know, the main like Disney Cinderella's Mm -hmm. castle logo kind of thing, but under touchstone pictures, which is what they do. I think a lot of their, um, I would say like more adult stuff. That's hmm. because they were a little bit worried that it was like too scary and dark for children, which is, You know, tell that to five-year-old Maggie (laughs) who loved this movie.
0: Totally agree. And that's like my parents definitely had me watching this as a kid. Maybe not like as a four-year-old, but I I do remember in childhood watching it and it being, I don't know. It's just Tim, Tim Burton's like art style is so out there that like you get the spooky without the scary in some ways for me. Now, of course, the shrunken head is maybe.
1: <laughs> I could see it being scary to some children, but like, you know, I think I, sometimes that like we don't give kids enough credit. Yeah. Um, and I know that there were like, I'll kind of call them out as we get to them. And I remember, but that there were like certain things as a kid that like really captured my imagination. Um, so anyway, they released it under Touchstone. It does pretty good at the box office and actually had like really nice critical reviews Um Something else that I was reading, which I thought was really interesting, that part of the reason Disney comes back and is, like, willing to, like, invest in this is because they had had Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 88, which is a very different, like, experimental animation mixed with live action kind of movie that did really well for them at the box office and also gained them a lot of critical acclaim around like the innovativeness with it so then they come in a little bit more open-minded to like try something a little different with nightmare before christmas
0: oh that's cool and also like that building of live action and animation like there are very specific areas that well uh, I'll preface it by saying it's seamless. And until it was like put into my brain that, oh, wait, those flames aren't stop motion or that bubbling goop the ghosts. is the ghosts. Exactly. Like this blending of, well, I feel like the ghosts are a little bit different because they're they're kind of that older style of animation where it, it you probably like rotoscoped something on top of another frame to make it happen. Um it, it's more the like the flames in the fireplace behind Jack when he's reading all of his science manuals, or specifically in the Oogie Boogie uh, cellar dungeon. I don't know. Number. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he has that, some great numbers. The, the, the bubbling like broth gel stuff in the middle. Like it's very clear that that was blended in with the stop motion piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, love that. It actually ends up getting nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Ends up losing out to Jurassic Park, which I think is fair.
0: I have no notes.
1: I would say Jurassic Park is still like a gold standard for visual effects, but I think this was a very well-deserved nomination.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Oh, that's just a, that's a stacked year then. I yeah. feel kind of bad for this one. That's, it's strong.
1: <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said, it was kind of like modestly successful when it first came out. But then of course it comes out on VHS and becomes an absolute cult classic. Um, and I actually texted my dad cause we obviously had the VHS and my dad would have been the one who purchased the VHS. And I asked him like, do you remember why you got that? Cause I wasn't sure if he had gotten it because like he had gotten it like for me as a kid or if mm-hmm. he had gotten it like because it was a film that he was interested in because of them releasing it under touchstone. And I had tried to find more information about like, did they market it at all towards families or like that kind of thing. And then I was also like, was the fact that like Tim Burton, even though he didn't direct it, he's obviously like very heavily attached to it. Um, And they kind of like used him as a brand to sort of like uh, promote it. I was like, was that why you ended up like picking it? Um, So what he said from what he could remember, was that he did go see it in theaters um, and he got the VHS because he really, really liked the movie and it was not like anything else he had seen before. Um, and he really, really likes Halloween. It's his favorite holiday. So he ended up getting it and just thought it was like really cool and unique and interesting um, and that he did go see it partially because Burton was attached because he really liked Edward hands. So using the case study of one person
0: <laughs> we're going to extrapolate that one point into an entire trend it's perfect
1: there we go um i will call out uh, any other like influences and stuff i've written down as we go through background oh one more thing about it com- becoming a cult classic i think this is evidence of like how popular it has become later in like pop culture i think especially among millennials is the fact that despite releasing it not under the main like disney brand disney has now very much embraced it Um and actually the version i watched is now under like you have like the cinderella castle logo and everything yep. when it starts uh but like the nightmare before christmas overlay on haunted mansion in like the disneyland park during the holiday season um and the fact that like Uh, many time guest host and friend of the podcast Lola and I like went to their Halloween thing this year and like Oogie Boogie was there like the score and like bits of Nightmare Before Christmas were like a huge part of like the fireworks display and stuff like that so I think it's like you know if you need evidence that it's become a cult classic and well beloved I think there it is for you
0: yeah yeah I hadn't realized that until I remembered that I bought my mom one of those like shoulder sitter. Yeah, you bought things. her zero. zero, Yeah, and I'm like, oh, oh, it is like fully folded in now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cool. Watch notes.
0: Yeah. So, I feel like this is one of the most iconic opening songs. Now we do get a little bit of like establishment of the premise of the story, which again, I I really didn't matter uh, or didn't mind. Rather, I kind of like that. We're just given this random copse of trees that represent holidays and, you know, their holidays ranging from Valentine's Day to Christmas, which, you know, they're like A-list holidays and they're D-list holidays. And I saw at least two D-list holidays in that grove of trees.
1: Let's get back to the grove of trees in a bit because I have some conversation <laughs> topics for us around this grove of trees. But absolutely agree. The opening number is an absolute banger Maybe I'm going to say, is it my favorite song in the thing?
0: No, no, no. Kidnap Sandy Claus is my favorite. (laughs) That's
1: the one I used to sing as a kid that my mom was like, yeah, it was a little disturbing because I loved the movie as a kid. Didn't watch it for several years. Watched it again as a teenager and was like, this movie's kind of dark and like a little odd and a little twisted. My mom was like, yeah, it was kind of weird you loved it so much
0: i mean but there is there is a touch of whimsy i just want to point that out (laughs) also it was the kids in the movie like you're gonna you're gonna be attached to the kids as a kid
1: i try not singing that song even if it is about throwing sandy Claus in a bag and burying him for 90 years it's hard not to sing it's a good tune (laughs)
0: But that, that's also, I, I think the one thing that really struck me through this watch through. I, I've seen it many times. Actually, was lucky enough to see it when they did the kind of like live orchestra version of it um, with the Atlanta Symphony. I
1: think oh, I missed two years that. I was so upset. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, it was great fun. Um, but I didn't fully appreciate the scale of what they pulled off in some of these shots of Halloween Town, especially with the stop motion animation piece.
1: And the cinematography is fantastic.
0: Yeah. And it just the extravagance of having every single resident of Halloween Town moving at the same time, dancing in sometimes the most natural way. Like I noticed, I, I think it was the um, skeletons in the gallows at one point, they were clapping. And it's not like they all clap in sync. It's like the typical cloud, crowd is, is clapping like slightly off, but the animation reflected that. And I, I mean, I feel the same way about pretty much everything that Leica Studios puts out as well, where it, I just marvel at the art behind the stop motion piece and the thought that goes into it and the care with every frame. I
1: and the patience it takes exactly. to do that. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, the opening number is so good. It's, I mean, rivals any Broadway song.
0: Is this not a Broadway show yet? Anyway, (laughs) that could be interesting.
1: It could be cool. Um, There's a line I want to call out in this opening number that I think really sets the tone for the rest of that movie. And it's, that's our job, but we're not mean. Which I think establishes it's like these people like their job is Halloween like what they know is we're spooky and we scare not because we're like mean or anything but like that's our job like we are Halloween town like we have to encompass this holiday and I love that because it sets the tone later when it's like they fuck up Christmas but it's like they were just they were just trying to do
0: their job It's like, my job is beach. Yes. But my job is Halloween.
1: (laughs) You know what? People were like, there's Barbie land. I mean, there's, you know.
0: Halloween Halloween town. Town. But that's also. (laughs) (laughs) But I also kind of like that because it does. uh, I don't know. It speaks to something where there is some central. I don't know, calling or like, or whatever that people or characters have. And while you can change kind of the the surroundings of it, it's like, you still harken back to these roots. And so I don't know. I thought that was kind of a fun reading of it that I, you know, again, when I do movies for the podcast, I have to think harder on them than I do normally. So <laughs> it's interesting Isn't the that, layers that you uncover.
1: Can you, are you able to just like Sit down and just purely enjoy a movie anymore? Yes. you have to at least analyze it a little bit? Oh, interesting. I mean... I can't. I have to analyze media.
0: What'll happen is I'll be like, wow, that was gorgeous. But it won't be like, oh, they did X, Y, and Z, and that's why it was amazing. Does that make sense? I have the feeling without the analysis.
1: I trust that that is true for you, but I can't comprehend it. Well... Does that make sense?
0: Sometimes you got to turn it off.
1: <laughs> I i can, not I've always been this way. Um, but I, I think you're right. And I, I think that we're going to, going to see that in Jack's journey of him. You know, we very quickly after the great introduction of him, where he like bursts into flames and then emerges up from the pool as like Jack Skellington, mm-hmm. the pumpkin King ruler of Halloween town. Um, We roll into his I want song, his like, you know, sharing his ennui over the monotony of like, this is what I do every year, every day. You know, the minute Halloween's over, we start planning for the next one. And like, I'm tired and I want more. Ian, did you connect with his level of ennui?
0: I it's a, it's, it's just, you know, the dark part of the year where the sun is not here in the Northern hemisphere. And <laughs> I felt for him, or it's like, I'm just doing the same routine over and over and over again to no avail. And what is next? Is there anything next? Maybe not. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but I think, I think we, you know, go from seeing him have like that, like, you know, oh, this is all I am, this is all I do to completely wanting to reject that and being like, now my job is Christmas and then settling on this kind of middle ground of like, I can still be like the core of who I am but I can still learn something new and like change and grow Mm -hmm. and still be true to myself. And I think like, to me, that is the overarching theme of this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. But speaking of finding christmas and switching jobs
1: first can we talk about the sorry i just remembered this but the iconic visual of the little curly q hill
0: oh yes the as I it Wants unravels
1: uh, yeah and the, well he goes onto the top and it's him framed by the moon and then later as he walks down it unravels
0: uh, it's such a fun well again it's 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 tim burton's i'm gonna use this word way too much so deal with it. It's his whimsy. Like the absurdity of such a fat little hill that comes to this teeny tiny little elephant trunk point. It's like very unique. I'll put it that way.
1: It's great. Um, oh, I also, so the, everything in Halloween town look wise is inspired to be like, or inspired by the German expressionist movement, mm. which is the, we, we talk about it more in our sunrise episode, but it's like that visual style that comes out of Germany in the 20s. Um, think like Metropolis and um, the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Caligari, I think it is Caligari. I'm pretty sure. Um, and like Fritz Lang and stuff like that. So it's always these like kind of dark, weirdish proportions. Everything in Halloween Town is very black and white, with like smaller pops of color that are usually more like faded or subtle. Um, to kind of mimic what, you know, the, you know, all of those films in the twenties and thirties that were kind of in that style would have been in black and white. So we have that there. And then later when we go into Christmas town, it gets more
0: Susian. Very Susian. I was gonna say that almost verbatim.
1: <laughs> I think we call that out in our Grinch episode that we did last year. I think at one point we're like, does this remind you of Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> So I was very happy when I saw that was like, um, an inspo.
0: Yeah. But the, uh, introduction of the holiday Grove, which, uh, based on my cursory reading, apparently it's Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Independence Day, Valentine's Day, and St. Patrick's Day. And let me just say, I don't
1: remember s- seeing Independence Day.
0: That's just what's on the Wikipedia as far as I know. So I, d- I also don't remember Independence Day, but, uh, Regardless, pull that one out and it's still like these are not the same holidays, (laughs) (laughs) which I just find funny. Which brings
1: me brings me to my question, because actually I very distinctly remember the like the grove from a kid and that like idea of like you find this grove in the woods and you pull a door and it takes you to a holiday themed land just like absolutely capturing my imagination. And I would like think about like, what would the other lands look like? The ones we don't see. Uh, So my question to you, Ian is which of the other ones other than Halloween town or Christmas town? Cause obviously those are like the two best ones. uh, Which land would you go to?
0: Okay. So I'm choosing between Easter Thanksgiving and Easter Thanksgiving, Valentine's day and St. Patrick's day because independence day is unconfirmed. Yeah. Um, I think the aesthetic of St. Patrick's day is the closest and I'm talking about the absolutely bastardized American version of St. Patrick's day. So let let's be clear here that I'm not talking about any religious high holiday. <laughs> I'm talking about a green river and green beer.
1: Yeah. See, I don't like <laughs> beer, so I don't think I could do St. Patrick's day. I believe that. I don't think I could do that. I think I go Thanksgiving because the food's going to be really good.
0: Yeah, but the smallpox and the starvation.
1: But we're talking about the bastardized American. Well, <laughs> the whole holiday is a bastardized American version of the holiday. But we're talking about the secular today celebrated holiday.
0: <laughs> okay, fair. I will give you that. The food will be on point. Anyway, well, I'm
1: going with that because, you know, the cupids in a Tim Burton Valentine's Day world are terrifying.
0: Probably just like the. um Oh, shoot. What? um uh, uh, Leprechauns that I was about to say gnomes. And I'm like, no, that is not. That's not it. Just like the leprechauns in the uh, St. Patrick's Day one. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm safest in Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Jack falls down this wonderful Christmas tree door with the beautiful shot of him reflected in that door handle, which was so, so, so cool I, and falls into the snow. I love the way that they animate his interaction with the snow, whether he's eating it or he pops up out of it and it's just this little pile on his head. It's su- such a cute representation of this like blanket of white puffy snow.
1: Yeah. And we have the song What's This, which is so good. And just his enthusiasm for something so new.
0: Mm -hmm. Childlike wonder.
1: Yeah. And there are so many like funny little moments. The one that gets me is the little elf child where you have a la the Grinch, all the little elf kids in like The one big bed all tucked under the blanket and there's like the song slows down a little bit and he's basically being like, oh, and they're all dreaming of something. I wonder what it is. And he's like thinking about like, you know, his interpretation of this new thing he's finding out about and everything. And then he leaves and the minute he's out of frame, the little elf child sits straight up as if you've just had a nightmare.
0: I mean, he almost had a nightmare. He almost had a nightmare.
1: (laughs) But like, I don't know why, but that gets me. But yeah, I love like the little things like because um, in the this is Halloween, there's the bit about the I am the monster hiding mm-hmm. under your bed. So then in what's this at one point, he looks under a bed and he's like, but there's nothing under here.
0: It could not be more opposite. And it's the it, talking about the warmth from inside, feeling it in his bones like that. That's such a quaint way to put it like you, you've heard the saying like, oh, come rest your bones by the fire. Like, yeah, I, l- I love that nod.
1: Yeah, and I think there's something about him approaching it so, like, genuinely, like, with that childlike wonder. It just, it, nothing Jack does in this film, like, feels sinister. It feels very misguided and, like, he, my dude definitely didn't think things through.
0: He's the golden retriever of Halloween town.
1: Yes, yes. Um. But yeah, so I, yeah, I love that song. And I love that bit. We see uh, the shadow of Mr. Sandy Claus.
0: I love that he calls him Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. And it's... I love the
1: bit later when he sees his hands and he goes, oh, but you don't have claws at all.
0: Well, and did you notice on the whiteboard in the kind of like science montage, it was literally Sandy and like a little crab claw of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Speaking fun. of
1: which, so after this, song we do cut back to halloween town and jack is missing and i love the bit with the mayor whose head uh he's got his like happy mayor face and then it will swivel 180 degrees and he has anxious mayor
0: (laughs) it's i oh lord i relate to the mayor a little bit more than i should (laughs) With that, <laughs> it's literally like, okay, what face do you put on today? Do you let them see your anxiety or do you pretend like everything's fine? Ian's head
1: also swivels 180 degrees. So,
0: <laughs> but there is, um, I, I think one thing that we did gloss over was the introduction of Sally and uh, who is Dr. Franken? St- is is he called Dr. Frankenstein Finkelstein, not Frankenstein? Finkelstein,
1: yeah.
0: Um, um
1: they only say his name a couple of times, but yeah, she's like this kind of ragged. they call her a ragdoll a lot of times, but she is like a Frankenstein together uh person i with a
0: proclivity for poisoning Finkelstein and I love this the lengths that she goes <laughs> like she's because he
1: tries to keep her locked up
0: yeah and she is not designed or made to be locked up even though Finkelstein would be like I made you I own you which is you know not how that works. So oh, well he's a mad scientist. <laughs> so um
1: but yeah so we've we've introduced that bit with her. I I want to talk in a minute about like um my favorite of her escapes. Uh, But uh, eventually after much anxiety from Mr. Mayor, uh, Jack does return and he has this amazing new thing. He's going to tell everyone about
0: Christmas. Oh, he's thrilled. I love all of the toys that he brings back because they are so contrary. They they contrast so well with Halloween town. Like the little baby doll is one of my favorites.
1: And he doesn't, I think he does his research before the town meeting, right? Or is it after?
0: Um, I believe that he, um, so I think, anyway, he comes back, he shares, and then he does research. And then I think they get into the like actual making Christmas song where they actually put rubber to the road.
1: Yeah. So he might, he might do his presentation first or do the research first. I can't really remember, even though I watched it this morning. Um, and it's only an
0: hour long. <laughs> it's fine. It is jam-packed from a, a plot perspective, so.
1: Yeah, but I just, I did want to call out one, my favorite Sally escape, which is her just straight jumping out of the window after she lowers the basket. And then one of her arms pops off and one of her legs pops off and she sews herself back together.
0: But I also, the Danny Elfman's score here is spectacular because there is this, well, one, Sally has Poisoned her, you know, Finkelstein again and did that wonderful slotted spoon trick, which the way that's animated with the almost Nickelodeon like slime in it is perfect. And the additional things like a frog's breath and all of these absurd ingredients. Great. But the way the score to go back to the scene where she throws herself off the tower The music is built up to this really sweet climax and takes this dark, tragic, like tonal turn as she falls. And you see her on the ground, not moving for a minute as if to say, like, oh, no, has she who is arguably in Halloween town and arguably already dead actually died? (laughs) And then all of a sudden she wakes up and puts herself back together. Her eyes
1: pop open and she like puts herself back together. Yeah, because and then we have this shot just before that of her looking out the window and seeing the tower where Jack is doing all of his research. And it's, it's like lighting up in like the green, the kind of neon green. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: That musical sting. Oh.
1: oh, it's so good. She brings over the little basket of food and like the bottle of wine, pulleys it up to Jack. You have the moment where he like takes all the ball of wine and it's just him in the tower and he opens it. And then he goes back to the window to like thank her and she's gone. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like hidden behind the wall and this is when we have her premonition cuz she picks that flower and again it turns into score, a little christmas perfect. tree yeah oh yeah because it's this like hopeful really cute like melody and then the little christmas tree bursts into flames and she knows that like something's going to go terribly wrong um Oof. one thing i did just want to call out about the jack research bit uh, is again on the chalkboard in the background my favorite part of the equation is the chestnuts on the numerator, the like division line and then open open fire in the denominator.
0: Oh, that's funny. Honestly, that whole whole montage I loved as a child because even when you start from the Holly Berry under the microscope and it crushes as he breaks it against the little slide and he's able to crush with no effort the ornament into powder and turn it into this like glowing solution. It was very mad scientist in a not so scary way, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, I love a little bit, and this might be part of the song that he starts to sing, but he, or maybe it's something he says. But it's like, um, he's like, I understand what it is, but why? And like, that's the bit that he's missing, and that all of Halloween Town's like missing from their understanding of Christmas is the like why. I think they're like they understand yeah. what, like they understand the concept of like a present. It's like something that's wrapped in a box and you put it under the tree, but they don't understand why and like how it's supposed to make you feel. And I was like thinking about it and I was like, it really is like trying to explain something that is based so heavily on like hundreds of years of tradition that has evolved from those original roots so much and like has all of these nuances and like weird aspects to it and has like an emotional component. Cause like, you know, we associate like friends and family very closely with Christmas and trying to explain that to someone who has absolutely no touchstones to anchor it to from like an emotional standpoint. Cause like, even if like you were trying to explain Christmas to like, another human being on earth who had absolutely like never encountered it before you could probably like describe it to them Mm -hmm. by like anchoring it to like some holiday that they have. That's like very family centric or something like that, you know, but like Halloween town has no concept of this.
0: Yeah. It's like trying to describe an ocean to a desert dwelling cricket that's never been outside of death Valley. But it's very true. And that you see that in the Making Christmas song. So it's one they take what in a major key would actually be a really fun, happy, joyful sort of thing and adds this kind of air of offness because it's not sinister necessarily. There might be portions of it that are like when the giant snake eats its creator. Um,
1: My favorite part is the off key jingle bells.
0: Like a little There's bit, off, kind of.
1: Yeah, it's like a, a slightly off key jingle bells. And then when they the later are playing one of. Yeah. And the band later is playing like a, I forget which song it is, but they're playing like a Christmas carol. But like so, it sounds like a dirge. It's it really is funny.
0: a dirge. <laughs> but it's so good. And it's it, it you get the town really excited and get more of the opportunity to kind of showcase or have the animators showing off.
1: But Sally's not an enthusiast. She's trying to convince Jack. She's like, I had a premonition. She's like, something's going to go horribly wrong. And Jack's like, how could it? It's Christmas. Don't ask that question, Jack. I'm the pumpkin king. (laughs) Obviously, I can Christmas. (laughs) So he assigns Sally to like, sew his Santa, his uh, Sandy Claws outfit. Um, And then he has the three little gremlins.
0: Lock, shock uh, and barrel
1: kidnap Sandy Claus for him. But he explicitly is like, do not tell this to Oogie Boogie. And they're like, of course not with their little fingers, fingers crossed, crossed behind yep. their backs. So- Which I do want more backstory on like what went down between Jack and Oogie Boogie. Cause there is implied history.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Oogie Boogie is the the scumbag who can't be trusted is the extent of what I gather. But I so. Yeah,
1: but I feel like something happened.
0: mm, Probably. Because
1: he very much hates Jack, too. I
0: I will say I have heard some fan theories about Lock, Shock and Barrel and the Oogie Boogie Man. So Mm -hmm. this is, again, not canon, but I enjoyed kind of the thought behind some of this. So, like. One thing is, okay. Jack Skellington is the Halloween town master of, quote unquote, natural death, whereas Oogie Boogie is, quote unquote, unnatural death. How you want to draw that line, whatever. But that plays into a very like a dark backstory for Lock, Shock and Barrel. Like Shock was electrocuted to death. Barrel might have been drowned, like those sorts of things. And so they serve Oogie Boogie because that was ultimately how they perished. If we take like kind of an underworld view of Halloween town. Interesting. But they're fun characters regardless. And yes.
1: And they sing a very good song.
0: They do. And as I mentioned earlier, Catherine O'Hara, who plays shock as well as Sally, like again, wonderful. I think there was a video that went around recently of her and her two co-stars who do a lock and barrel. Singing it, you know, like decades later, and it's yeah. still perfect.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great song. You have the like weird bathtub horse,
0: mule, maybe. Mule thing.
1: Uh, <laughs> Whatever it is that they take to go kidnap Sandy Claus, and then they come back with the Easter Bunny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel so bad for the Easter Bunny. Like when he goes up to the ogre dude,
1: I love Jack apologizing to him and be like, Sir, I am so sorry. And then immediately is like, uh, kids, you kidnap the wrong person. Take him back and kidnap Sandy (laughs) Claus. The disconnect in Jack's brain of, sir, I'm so sorry. And not, sir, I'm so sorry for kidnapping you. It's, sir, I'm so sorry we kidnapped you when we meant to kidnap someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they do get Sandy Claus. That is where we get the wonderful line about, oh, you have hands.
1: (laughs) Oh, my favorite part of that, too, is when Sandy Claus uh, goes, haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? And all three kids go, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As they like get ready to stuff him down that teeny tiny little chute to Oogie boogeyman. To send him
1: to Oogie Boogie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because at that point, all we've seen from Oogie Boogie is I think we've seen I think we've seen his shadow which I love the character design on Oogie Boogie. And I love anytime they animate his shadow. Uh, He looks weirdly cuddly.
0: I mean, as much as you would want to cuddle with a burlap sack filled with bugs. Sure. We don't
1: know he's filled with bugs yet though. I mean, he just looks like a squishy little burlap sack doll.
0: A burlap is scratchy. I don't know if you've ever hugged a burlap sack, but no. <laughs> as someone who has not. not hugged one, but has touched one,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> not something I aspire to cuddle with.
1: <laughs> but yes. And then we saw the like little bug get sent down to him to eat in the like torn apart cage came back up. So there's been a little bit of ominousness around Mr. Oogie Boogie.
0: Yes. And we get to see him finally when Santa with his hands all tied up gets thrown down into his clutches with his wonderful black lit laden song. It is a yes. delight.
1: It's the most colorful thing we've seen in Halloween town. Um, and there's kind of like a, a gambling casino motif to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but It's a really, really great song. Uh, Ken Page, who does Oogie Boogie's voice, does a really, really good job.
0: Ah, he's wonderful. I mean, yeah, I I did see that there
1: was like some some criticism around it, um, because it is modeled after. I think there's like a Betty Boop cartoon that they were saying was like part of the inspo around it. Um, But like the song is also it's like very Cab Calloway-esque. If You've heard the song Many the Moocher. The melody's very similar. And there's like a callback bit in it that's very similar. So I did see like some criticism around that. Um, and the fact that it's like styled after an African-American artist, and that it is like the villain song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did see some criticism there that I just need to acknowledge.
0: Mm. I did not realize that until now.
1: Yeah. Ken Page kills it though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fun. So anyway, the it is Christmas eve jack is getting ready and in a callback to our favorite rudolph the red-nosed reindeer
1: i love this bit
0: we have sally doing her last ditch effort to make this thing work and puts the fog juice okay again i her jars and the fact that they're so clearly labeled and this scientist finkelstein just doesn't you know, do anything about it, cracks me up. Like he should be able to prevent her from poisoning him, but somehow doesn't. Well, I
1: think at this point she's like fully run away, but then I guess broke back in.
0: uh, Maybe, I mean, what is Finkelstein going to do?
1: We've seen him building a new new person because he's like, he's like, I'm going to build someone who I get along with better. Um, We have the shot, I don't, at some point of him taking half of his brain and putting it into the new... Uh, like monster in progress that is profiled to look exactly like him um he's like now i can finally have an intelligent conversation and i thought it was funny
0: i think the exact line was conversations that matter and i thought that was (laughs) the funniest dig on everyone else in the movie (laughs) um but we did with him as well. We we didn't really talk about him building the reindeer, but he does have a little Igor that <laughs> helps him with his plans and munches on bones as a reward.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I love. I do love the skeletal reindeer it's, too. They're
0: they're quite fun. Um,
1: so we have the the fog juice, and oh, Christmas is ruined, Ian. How will they see to drive the coffin sleigh?
0: I don't know. But just remember, then then all the rain skeletons will love zero is that how that lyric goes now (laughs) i don't
1: as far as i know there was no tension between zero the goat the ghost dog and the reindeer but i do love that you have zero's little blinking nose and they're like zero you can light the way and sally's like well fuck me then
0: (laughs) pretty much she didn't say that but she thought it (laughs) (laughs) So the the next set of scenes with the inadvertent terrorization of real humans are so fun. I mean, they're not I love great. the Halloween
1: town wrapping paper. Would love to get some hands on like wrapping paper yes. like that. Um, my favorite shot in that whole bit is the bit where you have he does have a lovely little Cindy Lou Who moment, which is <laughs> takes out the shrunken head yeah (laughs) Um, we periodically through this are cutting back to a police station where uh, a policeman is fielding more and more complaint calls from parents saying somebody's pretending to be santa and giving us horror things um but my favorite shot is jack leaping from chimney to chimney and dropping something down each chimney and then after he's leaped to the next chimney a window lights up in the previous house and you hear a scream.
0: Yes. Well, and they get shot. you, you get the, the, I think my favorite of the like close in shots, it's two of them. One, the snake that eats everything, including the tree. And then two, the two children who get the like duck and dolly that like fly around and try to attack them. They run in their parents' room and are like struggling to keep the door closed from these toys. It's ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs>
1: So naturally, the military gets involved.
0: Oh, of course. With radar and everything and even like a newscaster with breaking news. And they they do a really good job, I think, of keeping that generic enough. Like you never see any faces or anything of the the true humans, per se. Well, um,
1: of the adults.
0: Oh, yeah. Of the adults. You're right. You know, This is the more that I think about it, the more I'm like, this really is for the kids perspective.
1: Yeah. Well, that feels very Charlie Brown.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, My favorite bit of this is when they have the anti-aircraft guns trying to shoot down the sleigh. And you have Jack go, they're celebrating. They're thanking us for doing such a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the delusion. (laughs)
0: Uh, Right. But he has that doll when he actually gets almost and it's like, oh, wait, no, they're going to shoot us. He goes down
1: and you have the iconic shot of like the Santa with like the sleigh being pulled in front of the moon. But then you have the searchlights. Yeah. So so I loved that. But yeah, then he gets shot down. Um, I love the bit in the next song where he like lays in the arms of the angel statue as if he's like dying or passed out just being so dramatic. I was
0: going to say peak drama there, but it's also, uh, you know, the graveyard is where he goes to think even in Halloween town. So it's like, he has to have this epiphany that wait, just because I have, my job is Halloween. doesn't mean I can't be the best damn Halloween ever.
1: When I love the bit where he's like, I've learned so much from the Christmas experience. Like now I just have new ideas. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and kind of that realization of like, no, like I'm not like this is not what I'm meant for. Like I am meant for Halloween, but I doesn't mean I can't shake things up a bit.
0: I also love that he opens the like book or doors below the angel to get back to (laughs) Halloween (laughs) town.
1: Meanwhile,
0: back at Oogie Boogie's place. Sally is trying to stage a rescue because she is the only one who knows what the hell is going on, and more people should listen to her.
1: She's the only one who's like, You guys, this is a bad idea. And everyone's like, Shh, we're too busy doing a good idea, Sally.
0: She definitely um is the Sigourney weaver of this film, minus the fact everybody lives. So
1: <laughs> I yeah. Everyone should have listened. They should have let her quarantine the ship.
0: <laughs> exactly, quarantine Sandy Claus. Um, yes. So Oogie Boogie is about to to throw them into his little bubbling cauldron.
1: Well, I want to talk about her first rescue Oh attempt. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very it's, funny. Um, so you have the bit where you see like the the like Betty Boop slash. Um,
0: it happened one night.
1: It happened one night, like legs sticking through, like her legs sticking through the grate. Uh, to like distract Oogie Boogie and like and get him Boogie to walk over
0: tickling it like what are you doing
1: <laughs> um but then so you see that and then you see Sally's detached hands come down the rope to try and help Sandy Claus I'm only calling him Sandy Claus and in the uh subtitles they often spelled it C L A W S when one of the Halloween Town people said it and I thought that was hilarious um, But and then you see Sally's like head pop through, so we realize that she's taken off her leg.
0: Tries to drop that, you know, little roll up ladder, and they are caught. Did we know that Oogie Boogie had vacuum powers? Because that was new That's to no me. Question it. Sucks him right off that ledge and into his clutches.
1: Yeah. So now Jack has returned, and he's like, "You guys." I think we made a mistake. And everyone's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Sally definitely wasn't trying to tell us this all along. Um, but the way that he rescues,
0: he, yeah. were you, sorry, were you getting to that part?
1: Oh no. So I was going to say, he learns that Oogie Boogie has Sandy Claus. He's going to go get Sandy Claus because maybe there's still time to save Christmas, which I do like that Jack's not like, well, I'm bad at this. Fuck Christmas. He's like, no, Christmas is still like cool and important.
0: Appreciate. And we should it. save
1: it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he does. He appreciates it. He doesn't quite understand it, but he appreciates it. Mm -hmm. It's like me in horror movies.
0: (laughs) So Jack does figure out that Boogie has him. I love this the like ratcheting up a little bit of the stakes with Sandy Claus and Sally on this little platform that Oogie is cranking, but the transition and reveal. The transition's
1: so good. So the way he has them on like um, like he was saying this like little table or platform that like, as if it hinged on the bottom cranks up so that they will slide into this molten bubbling goo. Um, and when it's supposedly all the way up, Oogie Boogie then looks down and he doesn't see them like sliding through at the bottom. So he's like,
0: what happened?
1: What is this? So he turns it around and who is lounging on The platform, cool as a spindly little cucumber.
0: (laughs) Jack Skellington. Mr. Jack Skellington. (laughs) And then, of course, they have this battle royale in the casino royale of Oogie Boogie's basement. Very
1: Looney Tunes.
0: It is. You have the... the was it the Jack? Car- no, they actually have like gunmen shooting that. And then you have the cards with the swords mm-hmm. trying you to like
1: saw that comes through at one point.
0: Mm-hmm. Very fun to watch. My favorite part of this, I think, is when the Oogie Boogie man gets a thread caught and Jack uses that to great effect.
1: To unravel him
0: with his own seems. devices.
1: Ugh, and that's where we learn that he is, in fact, not the cuddly Oogie Boogie monster we previously thought he was. But he is, in fact, filled with bugs. Yeah, And honestly, that's the grossest, most disturbing shot in the whole movie.
0: Well, and the the way that they modified the voices to say, my bugs, my bugs, where you hear all of the component bugs kind of screaming that all together as they fall into the goopy acid and get smashed by Santa Claus and but, of course, they save Christmas.
1: I like that Santa Claus is mad about it.
0: <laughs> he should be. He was kidnapped.
1: And <laughs> I love the, can you still save Christmas? And he's like, of course I can save Christmas, you fucking idiot. I'm Santa Claus. or I'm Santa Claus. He doesn't say Sandy Claus because he knows his own name. And, yes, I am interjecting the swearing.
0: It's amazing.
1: I just, everything's better with a little intensifier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then we have... Uh, you know, we see Santa correcting everything. Everyone in the real world is like, thank God.
0: And then Halloween Town gets a nice little blanket of snow. And finally, and the re- finally. The
1: prize of what's this? Mm-hmm. With everyone playing in the snow.
0: It's so sweet. Especially the end where Sally and Jack finally are like, together?
1: Question mark? I There's a moment Earlier, it's just after he saved them where like they kind of hold hands and look like they're about to kiss. And actually, I really liked the camera work here because it goes into soft focus, like an old school, like 30s, 40s, like romance. Um, and then they get interrupted. Uh, so this bit at the end is like them actually like coming together and being like, yeah, we're like a great team. And I think implied love each other but it's again like the shot which i think was on the cover of the vhs of them on the curly q hill with like the big giant yellow moon in the background kind of like holding hands looking into each other's eyes
0: and of course we love i i love sally i think sally's probably my favorite character and and really it's like jack is all flash and some substance, but I feel like Sally is that.
1: Sally's more substance, less flash.
0: Oh, she's the one getting it done, whether it's anybody sees or not. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I, I like I like a lot of the characters in this one. They're fun, but I think those two as like main duo are really really nice.
0: They definitely are, and I mean, honestly to like go back over most of them they're they all have their own own fun little things like Finkelstein though he is arguably Sally's antagonist like is ridiculous
1: I I know Oogie Boogie's technically the biggest villain but Finkelstein's the one that creeps me out more
0: Yeah Oogie is outwardly evil if that makes sense Finkelstein is like sinister
1: Oogie feels contained though Oogie yeah he's like just in the basement somewhere <laughs> Like, just don't go in that house. Don't trust those three children. You're probably fine.
0: Oh, but we forgot about Zero. Zero is such a Oh, I do like
1: Zero. Zero is cute.
0: And I mean, even for all of the Halloween Town residents, like the award for most blood drained in an evening goes to the vampires. Like, who writes this?
1: (laughs) I love the vampire design. I think they're so well designed. That you're doing little ice skating later. Mm-hmm. I love when the sun, when they all have their little parasols.
0: It's very Victorian, like in a dark yeah. way.
1: <laughs> all the character design is really, really good.
0: So it's a delight. I, if on some chance you haven't seen it, which maybe I shouldn't be the one saying this to the, <laughs> our our mythical listener, no, but like can. definitely, definitely catch it.
1: You've seen over a hundred movies. There's proof that you've seen over a hundred movies.
0: I, yeah, but remember, usually it'll be like, Ian, have you seen this? No, I haven't. How have you not? I, okay, Sixth Sense. How did I miss spoilers for Sixth Sense, Maggie? I
1: love it. I love that that happened.
0: I am thrilled that I did because watching it was exactly the reaction I would have hoped to have had. So
1: anyone who ever interacts with Ian ever, please don't spoil any movies for him that have big twists in case we ever want to cover them because i love i love when we get ian's first time viewing perspective on stuff like that oh i will make fun of him like forever for it but i i think it makes for really really good episodes and i appreciate that perspective
0: well thank you for uh spinning my ignorance in a much more positive light um
1: Yeah, I think that wraps it up for Nightmare Before Christmas. I know for a lot of people, this is probably more of a Halloween movie. I feel like it spans both Halloween, Christmas, whichever one you want to do it for.
0: And arguably could technically be a Thanksgiving movie since there is a Thanksgiving town.
1: Or Easter or, you know, a good old St. Patrick's Day movie.
0: Wait, this is not a Valentine's movie for you?
1: (laughs) honestly absolutely could be but i also don't observe valentine's day because it often interferes with my birthday yeah uh, that's true so. that's
0: true but anyway we all well, know what
1: the more important holiday is
0: <laughs> valentine's day for sure um,
1: <laughs> um excuse kidding. me so join me next time uh, when i uh, join us next time when we're going to be doing the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer stop-motion episode. I'm hoping we have a special guest for that episode. We have one lined up.
0: As far as I know, we have one lined up. But hey, you never know.
1: Why, just be us? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, join us next time. In the meantime, if you want to hear any of our other holiday slash Christmas movies, let's be honest, they're mostly Christmas movies. Um, we have in the past covered, uh, the how the Grinch stole Christmas little like cartoon ep- uh, cartoon short. It's not short. It's short. It's not really a short special. Um, like a
0: Christmas special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Christmas special. We've I mean, done TV. it's a wonderful TV life, special. That's what I meant. TV special. The classic one. That one. We have done. It's a wonderful life. Die hard Christmas in Connecticut. Christmas vacation. Um, we've done Miracle on 34th street. I think technically we did it as Thanksgiving, but also great Christmas movie. I'm missing one or two and I don't remember. Oh, Christmas story. Oh yeah. Um, and I might still be missing one, but I don't know.
0: Eh, there are plenty.
1: (laughs) And then, um, after that, our plans are, and we'll say this again probably on the Rudolph episode. But um, our plans after that for uh, the start of 2024 is we will be doing another list reordering episode, just to like get everything set up before we launch into the early 2000s. Movies. New millennia,
0: woo! <laughs>
1: yeah, so we'll be doing we'll be doing something kind of similar to what we've done in the past with those episodes, where we kind of like review any changes in our lists. We talk about um, kind of our favorites and like. Biggest disappointments of the most recent decade or so that we've covered. We might answer some listener questions, um, and then we're going to try and do something a little different, where Ian and I are going to each pick one of our past best picture winners um, for the other person to revisit and watch again, and see if they come up with anything new now that like it's a second viewing or that we've watched more stuff. So,
0: can we please? Please make a pact that neither of us will make the other watch an epic.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, we absolutely can. Okay. I was actually,
1: actually going to be like, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Bin her, and Gone with the Wind are off limits. I don't Perfect. think either of us has four hours.
0: Music <laughs> to, to my to ears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two of those we had to split into two episodes for the Canon podcast. So, yeah, yeah we yeah, won't be no. doing those. Um, and I'm also going to request that you not make me rewatch Silence of the Lambs.
0: I I I think you got plenty out of that the first time Thank around. You. Thank you. I
1: also think I got plenty out of that the first time. Um but yeah, so that'll that'll be the plan. I don't know. We'll have to think about what movies we're gonna do, but I think we're both gonna be aiming for something that maybe was like uh not that we haven't done super recently and that was maybe like a little bit of like an underrated something or something that we Just like don't talk, bring up as much or like think about as much. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So with that, thanks for uh, joining us. And again, uh, catch us next time for the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special.